Alright, hi everyone, and um, welcome to the Eli Kavan Project. So today, um, we are back to looking at some books, and again, the point is not to kind of give you much of the plot, but just to tell you why I like the book, and what are the themes that I talked about. Not like, you know, themes that you would study in English class, more just, you know, what can you learn from the book, and why you should read it. Uh, before I go into the books, though, um, I just want to do a little did you know kind of thing. So, um, podcast is short for iPod Broadcast. I don't know if you guys knew that. Um, and this type of abbreviation is called the portmanteau. So, another classic example is like brunch. Brunch is breakfast and lunch. It's a portmanteau. And a portmanteau is also a type of luggage. That's just something I learned and wanted to pass along. Okay, so for today's pod, I'm going to go over three books. Uh, Fifth Business, Catcher in the Rye, and A Picture of Dorian Gray. I'm going to read a little exempt from them and then talk about them. And I chose these books and I lumped them together because they all talk about um, just growing up and, and gaining self-knowledge. So. so we'll start with Fifth Business. So I'll read, this isn't actually part of the book, but it's a little bit little intro to it that talks about what fifth business is. So the definition, these these roles which being neither those of a hero nor heroine, confidant nor villain, but which were nonetheless essential to bring about the recognition or the denouement, were called the fifth business in drama and opera companies, organized according to the old style. The player who acted these parts was often referred to as fifth business. So it's, you know, it's not the hero or the villain, it's just kind of someone who, it's often kind of said as someone who records events and observes events and does help with the story, but doesn't necessarily interact with the story. You know, the plot isn't, he's affected by the plot maybe, but he isn't part of the plot, you know. He helps drive the plot, but he doesn't directly influence it maybe. Okay, so... The reason I like this book so much is you you literally see the life of a man throughout the novel, right? Like it starts as an eight-year-old and it ends as him being a 70-year-old after he had a heart attack. So it's, you know, it's the whole thing of life and death. Um, and along the way, he learns about himself and, and his role in the world um, through these interactions with different people. And it's a story about how these choices that we make, you know, even as a child, can affect us down the road. So if you if you have read the book, you know, the the very first line, it, the very first, you know, chapter is about how he's, you know, in a snowball fight. And one of the snowballs fight, uh, hits this woman and it really affects her. And throughout his life, he carries this around. And the book kind of, you know, delves into that. And is is he right to, you know be upset that about about what happened and and should he have done differently um and it's a story that teaches you to kind of follow your heart and and become more mature because you know even even when he's 30 40 and when he's even at the end at 70 he still acts like a child sometimes and i guess like the the thing it teaches you is that you know you you kind of have to acknowledge that you're never going to completely grow out of your childlike characteristics, right? So embrace them. Embrace the things that, you know, made us special as a child because they'll also make us special as adults. So hopefully that gives you uh, some sort of indication of what you can learn from that book. Okay, so moving on to Catcher in the Rye. Um, 
not much of a preview here, so I just thought I'd read maybe the first paragraph. If you really want to hear about it, the first thing you'll probably want to know is where I was born and what my lousy childhood was like and how my parents were occupied and all before they had me and all that David Copperfield kind of crap. But I don't really feel like going into it if you know the truth. In the first place, that stuff bores me. And in the second place, my parents would have about two hemorrhages apiece if I told anything pretty personal about them. They're quite touchy about anything like that, especially my father. They're nice and all, I'm, I'm not saying that, but they're also touchy as hell. Besides, I'm not going to tell you my whole goddamn autobiography or anything. So I'll leave you with that. Um, you can kind of tell already, I think, from that paragraph that it's, it's, it's written by a kid. Um, but it's a kid with this special knowledge, this special kind of world knowledge. Um, like I was, you know, I was going to read, uh, this Twain novel, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, classic novel, right? And on the back, it kind of said, it's been called a children's book written for adults or an adult book written for children. And I think, um, The Catcher in the Rye is exactly the same kind of book, um, you know, two classics, right? And it's because this main character, you know, even though he's a dropout, shows us immense intelligence and world knowledge and sweet and street smarts, right? Um, and to really get you into this, you know, he's also an alcoholic, cigarette abusing, sixteen year old who hits on girls older than him and whatnot. He's just <laughs> an easy character to fall in love with. Um, and the character kind of shows us how to how easy it is to ignore our goals and dreams, right? Like he wants to call this girl that he likes, but you know. It's, it's never the right time, you know, in quotes. He always says that, you know, it, I didn't feel like it. Um, almost like in a no-fap sense, if you know what no-fap is, right? Like the whole point of doing this no-fap is that you'll talk to more girls by doing that. I'm not just saying necessarily just girls, right? His other, he has other goals that he ignores. But it's that, that whole um, idea that, you know, if he stopped drinking and smoking... Because he, he, you know, he does that to kind of forget about his problems. Because he's scared to face them. Um, so yeah, it's 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 just a very powerful book where you can see kind of the ordeals that he goes through and how he grows up. And in the end, it kind of ends in a way of like he just kind of admits that he needs help. You know, you don't really get the, just one of the you know one of the books where I didn't really see the ending going that way because there's no real denouement in a sense there's no real like okay there's a happy ending or anything he just kind of that's it that's life kind of thing so uh another very very powerful book finally um i want to talk about uh the picture of dorian gray by oscar wilde so if i just read the back um how sad it is thinks dorian i shall grow old and horrible and dreadful but this picture will always remain young if it only were the other way, I would give my soul for that. And his wish comes true. Dorian Gray grows, grows older and more cynical and more evil, yet his face never betrays the ravages of age and corruption. But the painting does change. It reveals the true ugliness of the man, and Dorian Gray is determined that the painting remain his secret, even if he has to kill to keep it. So, another book that I didn't really kind of um, see the way it was going, because... You know, you'd think you'd kind of hate this character of Dorian Gray, this pretty rich boy. But you, you kind of end up sympathizing with him. Um, I mean, towards the end, he does become 
more evil and more evil, but especially in the beginning, he's just a regular guy with, you know, these friends, and he just wants to stay beautiful, you know? Um, and it, it, it's, it's a funny book, too, because, you know, often we think about this idea of, like, you know, being awakened is a good thing. It's good to not be ignorant. But in this sense, he's kind of just like this dumb, you know, this dumb, pretty rich boy. And then this character, Lord Henry, kind of starts to open his eyes. And that's what kind of scares him and starts to make him act worse. Because he he understands that he's, you know, desperate to stay the way he is. Um, Lord Lord Henry is the, the best character to the book. It just... Some of the comments he makes on human nature, and just like he would say, like kind of embrace your vices because that's what makes us human, and that's what makes us interesting. And just the way that he kind of goes against what everyone else is saying is just really powerful, really powerful character. Um, so yeah, he sets Dorian on the wrong path, uh, kind of accidentally. And um, another book, kind of where the beginning is really good. And it's just kind of, there's only so many ways you could end a book like that. But just like for the, for the, you know, for the beginning alone, it's just an amazing book. Towards the end, there's definitely interesting parts like, like plot, like where he's scared and what he's running from. But like the ending itself is kind of, yeah, I don't know. I'll let you read the book. And I'll just say that the, the visualization in this book is just amazing like when wild talks about you know the you know the roses in the garden and the bees and whatnot um so yeah the, the book is very much about art and and how and what an artist puts into art okay so i think that's all i'll talk about so for next week i'll be coming out with you guys with um something in in science so i look forward to it thanks for listening